Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. Welcome to the Call That Girl Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 82. If you want to check out my past shows and notes, you can go to callthatgirl.biz slash office365. All right, gang, today is Sunday, May 14th, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I am not a mother, so I don't have anything to celebrate, but I did send my mother a wonderful necklace, and she loved it, and it was awesome. So we caught up yesterday, and she takes Mother's Days off. She doesn't want to do any mothering, so I never call her on Mother's Day. Anyway, so um, the show this week... um, is really a labor of love, all the stuff I'm going to talk about. I had something happen to me a few weeks ago with a client that is one of those jobs that you take that dramatically can change how you do business moving forward. And at the time it was happening, it was a gut-wrenching, horrible experience for me because I really tried to do everything I can for my client to have a great experience. If something bad happens... I have backups. I know how to prevent things. I This is the work I do all day with Microsoft Outlook and, and Exchange. So I'm pretty prepared for disasters, right? Well, I had a client that, um, that I kind of got caught up with a job. And I'm going to tell you what it is here. Um, but before we start, I'm going to tell you that the show is called Mistakes You Can Avoid with Microsoft Outlook, IMAP, and OST Files. Now... I work with OST files all the time and PST and Exchange and IMAP and POP and I kind of know the back end really well. But uh, this one I said caught me for a loop. So I'm going to tell you how the story goes. The client has a profile in Outlook with 20 IMAP accounts. It's the master computer at their business and it has all the accounts for every employee because they all can go check their own emails in one profile. But of course, IMAP with 2016 can get sluggish trying to synchronize so much and so the client was like, hey, Lisa, can we go and put in a new profile and take half of these out and put, put it into another one that might help? And I'm like, all right, we can try it, you know. Well, as we were starting the job, um, I went to go create another profile. And I was like, wait a second, this might be easier. Let's just copy a profile instead. Because I've done that in the past, not very often, but I have. And uh, it's not what I prefer, you know, normally prefer to do. But I was like, hey, let's do this. So we copied the profile and we saw all the accounts in there and we were like, okay, cool, let's go and now remove from the second one the the, um, email accounts we don't need in this profile. And I said, well, let's just do one to test, right? And of course we picked the one that was the wrong one. (laughs) But anyway... So we deleted uh, one of the, in the copies, one of the email accounts, and I just kind of knew when it happened, because I got the warning, and here's the warning, careful, if you remove this account, its offline cache content will be deleted. Learn how to make a backup of the offline OST file. Well, I'm troubleshooting, talking to the client, and all this stuff in my head, and as soon as we saw that, And we said, yes, I just kind of knew something really bad was going to happen. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me beforehand, but then of course it didn't real. I didn't realize that, that the copy needed time to make copies of all the content too. 
It made a copy of the email account, but it didn't copy the data because that takes a lot longer. So of course I go into the app data file of where all the OST files are and yep, the one we removed was removed completely from the OST files in the app data directory and it was gone from the other profile as well. And so, I mean, let me just tell you, this is when shit started to go bad, okay? So we went to the other profile, the original, it was broken. And here I'm helping a client who I really, really enjoy working with, but it kind of went from we went to do a good thing to, oh my God, how do we fix what just happened? And he's really technical too. So he knows Outlook pretty well, right? So I'm in troubleshooting panic mode. My face is actually turning red, you know, like I'm nervous and I actually wanted to cry a little too, okay? <laughs> because I don't make mistakes like this really. This is not how I work. And um, so anyway, the client's, you know, kind of talking to me, asking me questions, and I'm panicking, going, oh, my God, I don't know how to get that back. So here's what happens in the app data folder of uh, in Windows where Outlook holds those PST files is that I've known this for a long time. When you delete one, either through Outlook email accounts or whatever, it is deleted. It doesn't hang out in the trash and the deleted items. And, you know, it is gone. But see, is it really gone? Because, I mean, data just doesn't, like, disappear out of a computer. It's there somewhere. But anyway, I, I told the client, look, just for the sake of getting you back to working, because the other profile wouldn't even open. I mean, it was that crashed. We went to at least get the other profile working again. So we um, got his IMAP account set up again. And, um, oh, God, I was so nervous, you guys. Let me just tell you that <laughs> if I'm troubleshooting something by myself, I, I can control the panic because it's just me. But when you have a client in real time talking, oh, man, let me just tell you that I was just stricken with holy shitness, you know. Okay, so at least we got the other account set up. And then um, he was like, you know, Lisa, I do have a backup from last, uh, for like three months ago. So he at least was, you know, I mean, like I said, he wasn't ticked off at me. It was just, you know, we both knew to be smarter than that. He goes, okay, well, at least we have that file. So here's the thing is that he knows about the OST file, so he backed up the entire directory, which was good. Now, when you have an OST file that, you know, you've copied, you cannot just import that into Outlook. It has to be converted to a PST file. So I told him, okay, well, let me at least go fix that for you. So we, you know, got it over to my computer. I did the repair in the next day or so, whatever. All is well, but... You know, it still bothers me that I did such a stupid move when I could have prevented it. I could have made the backup first, but I did not know this. And I checked with a couple other people in the industry who are familiar and they agreed that they've had that happen to them once also. It's one of those things that it will only happen to you once in your lifetime. <laughs> okay. And uh, the other people I talked to said they did the exact same thing. They copied a profile, deleted it. And luckily their clients had backups as well. So no harm, no foul. But um, so here's the thing about this job that completely bothered me the most is that where did that OST file go when it was deleted? Right. And I started thinking about it and I started doing some research and I found um, a couple programs on the internet and I had to do some, you know, I mean, not deep secret searching, but I had to be a little more like, you know, a lot of these um, searches, it takes you to OST converters. I needed to recover from 
you know, the bad. <laughs> and I eventually found two programs. Now, the first one I did try, because um, after that job, I was like, how can I turn this into a major learning lesson? So the first program I tried, I installed it on my laptop where I know I have dozens of OST files because it was one of my migration machines. And when you delete it, you're like, hey, it's gone, right? Well, this tool should bring them back to life. So I ran this tool and um, if you really want to know which one it is, email me and I'll tell you. I'm not going to publicly embarrass this company, but uh, <laughs> I don't really want to do that. But it took two, um, I think it took three and a half days to run its full um, recovery. Now, I know data recovery can take a while, so I'm like, no problem. That's cool. You know, it's going to take a while. But I'm like into day three going, holy crap. And it found 80 some files. So I knew that's about right because I'd had the computer for so long. And finally, when it was done, I couldn't. And so what I did was I downloaded the free trial because I wanted to test it first. Well, oh my God, I should have just bought it probably. It was only 40 bucks. So um, I ran it and it didn't do anything. So I went and paid for it. And then um, I put in the key, which by the way, the key was like a mile long. It was super huge. And it still would not show me the files. So at this point, I'm like, what the? Ah, uh, okay. I was kind of ticked off at this point because I waited three and a half days. I was excited to see what the software would find. I was being teased, you know, and it never pulled up the files. So at that point, I went to troubleshooting mode with the company. And they were like, yeah, we need to remote into your computer. And I was like, um, no, I don't know you. The only other companies I've ever let remote into my computer are ones that I've already worked with in the past and knew and had a relationship with. I just wasn't a fan of them remoting into my system and mussing around with it. And plus, I was like, this thing took three and a half days to even run. So I'm at the point of aggravated. So anyway, I went online and I, f I did some more snooping and I found another uh, tool. And this one I will tell you guys about if you want to use it. And it's from a company called Remo Software. Um, this one here, you know, the site looks really good. They've got all their, you know, professionalisms there. It looked really decent. I did the download for Remo Recover. Now this site here, they've got Remo Recover, Remo Recover for Mac. Um, remote recover for Android, PSTs, MOVs, AVIs, PDF, no, PSDs, Word, PowerPoint, Zips, RAR, Registry, uh, Privacy Cleaner. They actually have a convert OST to PST also. I haven't tried that one. And Recovering Outlook Express, which I think is funny. Then they have a backup and migrate tool, a Zip for Mac, Driver Discover, Eraser, Wipe, Defrag. I mean, they've got a long list. So anyway, I, I did the Windows one, and the reason why I picked the Windows one because it offered OST um, recovery. So seriously, I'm not even kidding you guys. I downloaded it, ran it, I think in like eight minutes, it already found tons of files. I was like, what? This thing looked, like, it was so fast. And what I liked about it is it showed all the, um, I only ran the OST one, remember? So then maybe that's why it went so fast. But... Actually, at the end, it was like, yep, here's your files. And it showed me the files. And I was like, those are ones I know I deleted. It actually said the names of them. Now, some of them did not have names, though. Some had um, some had just numbers, but then they had the sizes there. So I was like, oh, I could kind of actually figure out in my head which ones were, you know, OST files that were, you know, 
sizable and which ones that were just like, you know, tiny ones and didn't have much data. So at least I got to see it. So then I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna go buy it now. And it was on my test computer. So I bought it, it recovered them. And I was like, okay, so we recovered them. And then I have another company, um, their OST to PST converter, the Kernel Nucleus. Let me see if I, I'll put all these in the notes too. Uh, Kernel Nucleus, um, let's see. They're actually called Nucleus Technologies. It's their kernel uh, data recovery. I have a couple of their products and I kind of picked those over other products after years of testing because I just like how easy it is and no licensing issues and stuff like that. So, uh, and then I ran the OST to PST converter and I got the data and I know for sure I had deleted that data. So to me, that was uh, a real nice win. I'm sharing it with you guys as, as my audience and listeners. Um, so anyway, back to this whole, uh, dramatic with the client, everything got figured out and it's all over. Um, I went and figure out these tools and then I was like, well, okay, so how do I take this to the next level? Because there's a lot of people I've got the, it's so funny. I've had clients say, yeah, you know, I need your help with this, but all my data is gone. And I'm like, what happened to it? And they're like, well, I deleted it in the profile or I deleted it and it's gone. And, you know, for me to know now, after all these years that I can actually go recover those potentially and get them for clients, if the data is valuable, I can offer that as a service now. And I really wanted to learn more about it. So I'm going to add it to my services list. But uh, first thing I want to do is write this blog and then I want to do a show about it. So I'm attached this show to the blog because there's still a lot more I have to tell you guys about OST files and PST files and all that. So that's why I'm saying it's kind of called a mistakes you can avoid with Microsoft Outlook IMAP and OST files. All right, so before we start with that, I'm gonna take a minute to thank our friends over at AppRiver for their support. They are uh, still continuing on as our sponsor for 2017 here. Um, just take a note that if you don't tell them, you know, call that girl. If you call them, they do have a 10 minimum buy-in. So if you say, I know, call that girl, you can do what I do and do one person migrations. Okay. But you got to say my name, call that girl and they will know. Uh, I've been using them since 2013. You guys, uh, they're open 24 by seven. Uh, I typically get emails back within 15 minutes and I have a good relationship with my rep, Steve Harris. You can email Steve Harris sharris at appriver.com, but he might uh, put you in touch with the different rep. I'm not sure their workload over there, but um, anyway, they also do encryption and um, secure tied for spam filtering, which I have that product and I love it. And I'm gonna tell you guys, and I'm starting to sell a lot more of the encryption because I've got clients in the realty world and the title company world, and they're starting to get these wire fraud transfer uh, fraud requests, and they've uh, been wanting to move to encryption and actually calling each other to verify because this is how good these fraudulent people are getting is that they're copying websites, they're copying names. They're... It's really sick what I just saw happen to my client uh, last week. This company um, actually bought the guy's same domain but added an S to it. And I went and looked it up. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And they did it through uh, some like uh, print marketing company that would never consider that, you know, so they went off the grid a little bit, not normal. They didn't buy it through GoDaddy or Network Solutions. They went and bought it through a marketing company and they kind of got away with it for a little bit. I helped uh, investigate that down to where I called it in and can 
told him about the fraud. But uh, so anyway, the point is, is that people that do a lot of money transferring need to be very careful these days. So using encryption is is a lot more safer to get the message across. And I've had clients ask for it. So that's one thing I've been saying is give old App River a call over there. Okay, and then also before I get on with the details of the PST and OST files, I want to tell you guys that I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again before the show starts, is that I do have my Outlook training for technician videos for sale. They're 99 bucks, unlimited viewing and watching. There's seven different courses in four hours. And I start with the beginning, and I teach you everything under the hood about Outlook. In fact, in the first video, I almost don't even open Outlook at all. I teach you everything about the back end of Outlook. And I teach you a lot of things that you need to know, uh, preventative things. Then we move into setup and transferring and recovery and just lots of little things. Um, I kind of consider this, this Outlook training for technicians one of my biggest ventures I've ever done. It took me two years to get the content done. Then it took me six weeks to, uh, maybe, maybe not six weeks, maybe like three weeks to actually make the videos, edit, and um, get them into where I could publish them. Then I had to work on the marketing. I have over 100 hours into these videos, and they're so awesome. And I really want text to learn Outlook better because I get a lot of calls from clients that say, my tech doesn't know Outlook. And... I know you want to help all the clients if you don't know Outlook, so you try, but I just want to make sure if you're going to do that, that you know how to prevent problems, back up stuff right, so at least if something bad happens, you can say, I have a backup. You know, you're always welcome to call me and, and get assistance. I do um, quite a bit of tech-to-tech help now, and I think in the last probably six months I've had more of it, but it's because I'm putting it out there that I'm available to help, and it just dawned on me that techs are a good market for me because... Hey, at least if they've done some of the work, I can just step in, right? And I kind of become a pitch, what's it called? A pitch hitter, pinch hitter, whatever. Okay, let me get some water here and we're going to move on. All right, so a lot of people know about the PST files because back in the old days, um, Outlook would set up a PST file for everything, right? And PST files are awesome because you could import and export them and they're just kind of like the perfect data file, right, for Outlook. Well, in 2010, the, they, um, well, in 2007, too, you could set up IMAP. I think you could in 2003, too, but I don't even want to think about going back that far. 2007, 2010, which I'm not going to talk about a lot, does have IMAP, but I think it used a PST file, okay? And back in the old 2007 days, you could actually repair an OST file within Windows, but they took all that away. Now, I don't know why Microsoft would take away a super important tool unless things got really complicated on the development end that they couldn't do it. But I'll tell you that <laughs> that um, 2013 and 16 is where shit gets dangerous, okay, you guys? So anyway, um, so a PST file is standard when you set up Outlook with POP accounts. In 2013 and 16, it still does that with a POP email account. It creates a PST file. If you set up Outlook fresh out of the box or off the internet, streaming down, whatever, and you put in your email password and display name, it will set up typically an IMAP or an Exchange account only. It does not do POP manually. So if you're setting it up fresh, you'll know the difference. 
Now, if you set it up and it sets up fine, you have an OST file by default, you know, number one. Okay, that's your first account, so it creates that. And if you're like, oh, yeah, I just set up my Gmail and everything's good, and I'm going to go import my calendars in, I'm going to go import my contacts, all of this information is being stored in this OST file. Okay, and this is where I'm going to talk about things get dangerous. The OST file is literally not like a PST file. It's just a cached shadow copy of sorts. I like saying that because, you know, an OST file, you cannot import and export. Uh, well, let's put it this way. You can't import an OST file in Outlook because it just doesn't work that way. It's a different file type. So, um, so a lot of times, you know, people will call me and they'll have five email accounts set up in Outlook five different IMAPs and maybe an exchange. And even if they don't have exchange, their data, contacts, calendar, all that stuff is in that OST file. And it makes me very, very nervous. When I remote in, I always do a spot check with people's outlook. And the first thing I do is go look at those accounts and go, okay, well, before we do anything, I'm backing up your contacts and calendar. Because if something bad happens, I can go and at least import that data back in to a PST file. I kind of feel that I take, I have to do those steps because I'm responsible if something bad happens. Even though people check off on my client agreement form, yes, my data is backed up. Yes, I have online backup. Yes, yes, yes. I don't really have time to go verify people's backup all the time. I'm 149 bucks an hour and they want stuff fixed. And they don't think how dangerous that is, you know, to be doing that stuff with the calendar and contacts, but I do. And I always tell folks, okay, I'm going to take a minute here and back these up real quick because I just have to be preventative. And, and most of my clients are like, yeah, go ahead, back it up. One lady one time said she didn't want to pay me for my backup time. And I actually said to her, I refuse to help you any further then. She was like, really? I said, I don't trust your system. You have a really screwed up IMAP account with 11 gigs and you have a lot of stuff going on with the calendar and contacts. So I took the time to back it all up after she agreed. And you know what? A few days later, she called me and said, Lisa, something happened with my outlook. My tech had to fix it and all my stuff went away and you had your backup. And I was like, hallelujah. So this is why I do what I do. Okay. You got to back this stuff up. Okay. I got to get off my, my high horse here for a second. So Anyway, it's always better to be preventative when you're helping somebody take the time to do it because it just is super important for the, for the job, for the client. And, and look what happened. She called another tech after me, but she knew I had backup. So she felt that was okay. I still don't know why she called another tech besides me, but whatever. Okay. So, um, anyway, so the OST files are created when you, uh, add IMAP accounts or exchange to an Outlook profile. And they're always kept in the app data folder in the user accounts app data. That folder is hidden by default. Then you drill down to the Microsoft Outlook and the files are in there. Um, you can always tell in 2013 and 16, there's a little arrow on it that is supposed to be means for synchronizing. Okay. So if you see any in there that don't have a blue arrow, they're probably broken or something's wrong. But um, you can, if you want to, 
close Outlook and take a full copy of that whole list and go put it onto a backup, then at least you have a backup of the OST file, which if you needed to, you could transfer to a, a or convert it to a PST file. But uh, so anyway, the, the whole thing about this is that's getting so dangerous is that Microsoft with this message that they have, which is careful if you remove this account, it's move this account, it's offline cash to be deleted. It really should be rewarded to say careful if you remove this account without backing up all your stuff, it will be deleted permanently unless you buy a recovery program. That's what the message should be. Okay. And trust me, I know that now. <laughs> okay. So, um, so the other thing that could happen with these OST files, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen this also, is when IMAP gets corrupted in the email folders and in the contacts and calendars, you will see um, a little side thing in parentheses that says, this computer only. So that's even worse. Okay, when I remoted someone's computer and I see this computer only, I immediately go, this is not going to be an easy job. Because that means they had an original IMAP, somebody imported data into it. Then it's usually from a PST file. And then that's how that this computer only happens. Okay. It typically doesn't happen if you're just doing regular, you know, just uh, adding stuff to it. But I, and correct me if I'm wrong, if anybody's listening, but I'm pretty sure that comes from an import. Uh, Cause I did a job the other day and that happened. And I was like, Oh, that's how it really happens. Even I still learn on my day to day jobs because once sadly with this job, I helped, it was a pop to IMAP and, I did that and all of the people had the, this computer only. The good news is you can go and edit each folder and, you know, clean that up without problems. Unless they have 200 folders, which sucks. Okay, so now we're going to talk about this profile thing and this job I did um, a few weeks ago. So when you're in the control panel and you go to the mail app, okay, it says Outlook 2016 in parentheses or whatever. And then you go look at the profiles. Typically, if it's a brand new, fresh profile, it says Outlook, okay? Microsoft likes that word Outlook. So uh, just to let you know. So when people have a profile and it has all this data in it, profiles can go bad. Now, I don't really don't always like starting a new profile because it's a lot of work. With a new profile, you have to set up all the accounts, import the data, fine tune, get the settings done, their address books, their signatures, I mean, for me, a new profile is at least an hour plus of time because there's always going to be questions, but sometimes a new profile is the only answer. They do go bad, they break, and I'm going to let you know that when you're working in a new Outlook, let's say you create a new profile, never delete the other profile. Just set the settings to always open your new one. And you can delete it in time, but see, I've learned from past client jobs, I'll say, oh, the client will say, well, let's go delete that other profile. And then I go, nah, -uh -uh. not now. Let's give it a few weeks because when you're in the new profile, they always have follow-up questions. They, and I tell them, look, we just did a big surgery. You're going to have questions in a few days. And as long as your email's working, these questions are not urgent. So create a list of questions, then call me back and we'll schedule a half hour follow-up or something. It's always little tweaky stuff too that they want. But the point is, if you delete that other profile, 
Everything gets deleted, remember, and the OST files. So they're gone. And unless you back them up, then you have to recover them, which is a lot of work. So I just leave those other profiles there. The only time I do delete the other profile is when you're dealing with a serious OST renaming issue and you have to delete that one because the um, Outlook did something wrong and you can't control that, of course. So I will make sure, sometimes I'll even double back up and then I tell the client, look, I have to remove this other profile so why don't you go look for anything special too. You wouldn't be, you'd be surprised where people sneakily put stuff. I've seen things in the notes section of Outlook that typically they wouldn't use if they didn't have Exchange. I've seen things in the tasks. I've seen hundreds of documents in people's calendars. I mean, it's just amazing where people can sneak stuff in and where they put stuff. And some of my clients use their um, their contacts as like their database. They created their own CRM system in their contacts. And boy, if you don't back that up, oh boy, that is very dangerous because those people are contact freaks and they love it. I love them, but it's gone if it's gone. So anyway, again, to recap, the only time I delete an Outlook profile is when it is absolutely broken and I have to do that. Otherwise I leave it there. And it's funny is I always have my own naming convention so I can tell when I help a client again, if another tech has helped or not by another profile name, because I kind of keep my standard naming conventions. I even do that with my contacts and calendars as well. So I know my work, then it always matches the date of the job and my ticket. Okay, let me take a breather here for a second. Now, another thing you want to do is when you first help somebody and you're not sure if the OST file is maybe causing some problems, in their email folders on the left in Outlook, you can right click, go to properties, and go to file size, okay? I do that in my spot checks right away when people are calling me for IMAP problems. Then I go and check the file size. I write it down in a little notepad. Then I go to the OST file and I go look at the size of that. And I kind of try to figure out, okay, if these are really close in size, then there's not a corrupted IMAP or excuse me. Typically it doesn't appear to be uh, corrupted under half a gig. I consider acceptable. Maybe a gig if there's like 20, 30 gigs, okay? But if your folder size says one thing and there's 10 extra gigs in the OST file, that's corrupted, okay? You will typically find that with Gmail. So what I do, just as a quick tip for you folks, is when you see that kind of difference, I take the current mailbox and I export it out, make a copy, so I have a backup. Then I go and get a fresh download of the IMAP and that will create its own OST file. And at that point, once it's done, you can go and then uh, remove the other OST, put it in a file directory to save it. And then you have a copy in case something bad happens, double backup. If you can't tell, I'm getting a little afraid here with these OST files. But to me, people have really fast computers now. So this uh, backup is really nothing. It's super fast. Um, I'm finding more and more of my clients have 16 gigs of memory. Windows 10 and a solid state hard drive and moving, you know, a 20 gig OST file is nothing anymore. You know, it's not like the old days where it takes half a day. It's fast and I love it. It makes my job go faster. Okay. So that's another tip you guys want to do. And then for the techs that think exchange can't have issues, it can. So if you're doing an online backup for somebody, 
it only takes an extra second to go grab that app data folder that the OST files are in. I highly recommend you do that because I've seen Exchange break and here's what happens in Outlook. It breaks in Outlook and it might still show the inbox, but the subfolders down below is what the, the confusion is. The Outlook might not match the server and you know, you think it's easy enough to just go, hey, I'm going to go get a new profile. But if, if the, the local OST file in the Outlook for Exchange is messed up, the server's not going to show that. So again, just make sure those are in your backups just in case, because if you blow away that profile that had all the corruption, that's gone and you're doing a recovery. So like I tell text, just make sure you back up that OST file um, in, in their online backup and you'll be happy for it. Uh, a couple more tips here. This is really common lately that you're going to see in Outlook. IMAP is synchronizing and it won't stop synchronizing, okay? I'm going to tell you the number one culprit I get with calls is usually Gmail, okay? Gmail lets you have umpteen gigs on the browser. You never would know it because the browser doesn't slow down. Outlook is challenged by the amount of data, the synchronizing, the all mail, the important folders. And so uh, when I get that kind of call, first thing I do, export out that uh, mailbox, make sure I have a good copy. Then I go get a fresh download, give it a little tweaking, give it a little fine tuning. And typically that fixes it for folks. I've learned the easy way. Don't try to do turn off certain folders from synchronizing. Don't try other trickeries. The best thing to do is back it up, get a fresh download. You can even do a download in the same profile if you want and then delete the other one. But I'm always pretty careful with that. And the other thing that this IMAP synchronizing will do is um, people complain they can't move folders, their drafts don't work, their trash won't empty, just little snaggy things. That's the OST file there. That is the OST file, it's corrupted. So that's when I tell clients, it used to be like a two hour job, now I've got down to less than an hour because I'm faster at it. I've done it before and I'm giving you my tips. Okay, I think that's it, you guys. Uh, I'm gonna put in the show notes, the software I use for the recovery, the kernel software, link to my blog. The blog is actually everything I just talked about, but in a little more detail. Um, I didn't cover every little thing, but the blog is pretty good. I wrote it really in end user terminology. Uh, so, you know, and the thing is the blog is, uh, about marketing. So I tell everybody a bunch of stuff. I'm not giving the people in the blog, all the answers to my software because, uh, it could be dangerous for them. And I really would rather them hire me. So that's kind of the point of it, but I give out a lot of info. So if you're a technician, you want my help on a job. I do have a technician, uh, commission or a special fee for you so you don't have to pay my full rate. I love helping techs because I already know they've done a lot of the work and they um, understand that sometimes things get out of your scope and it's better to just call me up. So you can email me, lisa at callthatgirl.biz. You can uh, call my answering service, leave a message, 612-865-4475. And uh, put a link to my videos also so you guys can check them out. 99 bucks, learn all my magic tricks. And there's a lot of them. All right, guys, this has been a Heyman Hendrickson production, audio supported by Mitch Heyman. I'm not sure what next week's topic will be. I'm kind of exhausted from this one already, but I'll see you next show. Thanks, guys.